0: Well, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, you can turn to Acts chapter 20 is where we're gonna be this morning, specifically verse 32. Acts chapter 20, verse 32 is where we're gonna be this morning. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. As is the case for many believers who have walked with the Lord for any length of time, I find that there are a number of biblical passages that have gripped my attention and my affections at different points in my life. I remember being a college student at CNC and sitting under the teaching of a buddy of mine named Kevin who taught us out of Genesis 3. And I remember the night on um, the campus of CNU in a building that's not there anymore uh, where he took us through Genesis 3.15. And we realized and we heard those words when God said to Adam, Adam, where are you? And I remember those words just thundering in my ears as a young man when when God held Adam accountable and hearing that God would hold me accountable. I remember the the season of life in which those words rang in my ears. And then over the course of life, there have been many seasons when it wasn't Genesis 3 that rang in my ears, but John chapter 3 that rang in my ears and those words that many of you are familiar with. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And I remember multiple seasons in my life where either Genesis 3 or John chapter 3 were ringing in my ears and they were reviving my heart and they were reminding me of what's true and what's good and what's beautiful and what's powerful. I remember these seasons in which the Lord has used his word in my life. Now, as a preacher, though, as a pastor, there are few passages, and maybe Pastor Doug will agree with me here. We'll find out here in a minute. Uh, One of my heroes sitting there, so I had to say hello. Uh, As a preacher and a pastor, Doug, I think this is true. Maybe you'll agree with me. If not, you'll correct me after the service. Uh, There are few chapters in the Bible that weigh more heavily on me than Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. You see, in Hebrews 13, verse 7. The author of Hebrews, and we don't really know who it is because he doesn't say. We're just guessing. They don't say, excuse me. Uh, We're just guessing. In verse 7 of Hebrews 13, the author says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And I hear those words, and I realize, oh, that's my primary job as a pastor. That's my primary role as a leader in the church is to speak to you the word of God. Week in, week out, day in, day out is to speak this word into your life. This morning in our Sunday school or Sunday morning community group, excuse me, class, we were talking about the power of the tongue. And so Hebrews 13 verse 7 stops me and says, okay, time out, Jeff. Are you doing that? Not just from the pulpit. But in every interaction, are you speaking the word? And then on top of that, verse 7 reminds me that I'm, I'm to live a life that backs up that teaching. And I'm not just to be talking about it. I'm to be living in light of it in such a way that you can look at me in years to come and say, I want to follow him. I want to imitate him. Not that he just got up and talked about the word, but that he lived it out. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life, which means I have to do it all the way to the end. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And it gets worse or better, depending on how you look at it. Just a couple of verses later, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. The author says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account and in verse 17 it almost stops me in my tracks and makes me say okay hold on time out again because hebrews 13:17 tells me that as a pastor i will give an account to god for you i will give an account to god for you do you know you i know you right some of you and, and, and so verse 17 of Hebrews 13 says, Jeff, one day you're going to stand before the Lord Almighty and you're going to give an account for everyone that you pastored. You're going to give an account for how you led them. You're going to give an account not just for how they walked into the room or how they walked into Catalyst Church, but how they grew and developed while they were under your teaching, while they were under your authority, while they were under your leadership. There are a few chapters in the Bible that stop me in my tracks the way that Hebrews chapter 13 does. And so for that reason and for a number of others, we are going to start this year with a series on spiritual growth. How do we grow as Christians Now, often we will ask the question, how can I grow as a Christian? How can I grow as a Christian? And it's a good question to ask. It's a question that I hope you take some time in January to carve out in the midst of the busyness and say, how am I going to grow in 2020? How am I going to grow in my prayer life? How am I going to grow in uh, Bible reading? How how am I going to grow in my uh, fellowship with other believers? How am I going to grow in my walk with Christ? How am I going to grow as a Christian? But when it comes to this series, we're gonna turn that question just a little bit. Instead of asking, how can I grow as a Christian, we're gonna ask the question, how does God grow healthy Christians? What is God's normative, regular, ordinary way of growing Christians? How does God grow healthy Christians? How does God take someone from being spiritually dead to making them spiritually alive to then making them spiritually healthy and then ultimately making them spiritually reproducing so that we've got somebody else we're helping to come along with the Lord Jesus Christ? Every mature believer ought to be helping somebody else become a mature believer. That's kind of part of the process. So... How does God grow healthy Christians? This morning, we're going to turn our attention to Acts chapter 20 in order to hear the Apostle Paul help us answer that question. There are few churches with which Paul had the relationship that he had with the believers in Ephesus. And so he had spent years with this church. He had seen them grow. He had developed them. And in Acts chapter 20, we find Paul's farewell speech to the leaders or the elders in the church in Ephesus. And Paul essentially says, this is it. I'm not going to see you anymore. I care about you. I long that you would grow. I want you to keep growing beyond me. I hope that this isn't the end of your spiritual growth, right? I want you to keep growing. And so these are my final words. And as Danny Aiken says, last words are lasting words. So Paul says this to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. He says, and now, verse 32, And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul says, this is it. This is the note I'm leaving you on. This is how God is going to continue to grow your faith. This is how this isn't the end of your road for for the Christian journey, right? John Stott said, to become a Christian is one thing, but being a Christian is a whole another ballgame, right? There's a growth process here. So Paul wants them to get this. He wants them to understand that this is not the end of their journey, that they're not meant to kick it into cruise control as they go down route 60 or interstate 65. Although you and I both know you cannot go on cruise control on Interstate 64, right? It's stop and go all the way no matter which way you're going. Paul wants them to understand this. All healthy spiritual growth comes from God. All of it comes from God. And God brings about all healthy spiritual growth through his word. That's the means by which he grows healthy Christians. He doesn't do it by snapping his fingers. You say, well, why not? I don't know. He didn't ask me, right? He does it through the slow, daily, ongoing, over-the-course-of-life development through his word. So this morning, we're going to see two principles for spiritual growth, two principles for spiritual growth. Number one, all spiritual growth comes from God. All of it. All spiritual growth comes from God. That's the first principle we're going to see this morning is that all spiritual growth comes from God. Paul says, and now I commend you to God. I commend you to God. That word commend is an important word to Paul. He, he said, I'm entrusting you to God. I'm entrusting you to him. The same word commend or entrust is used two other places by Luke who wrote the book of Acts. Jesus on the cross, in Luke chapter 23, Luke has recorded Jesus' journey. He's following him to the cross. He's followed him up on the cross, and now Jesus is on the cross, And, and Jesus uses that word commend, and he says in Luke 23 verse 46, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Same word, commit and commend. Same word. Paul is saying to the Ephesian elders, now I commit you to God. Jesus said to God, I commit my spirit to you. And then in Acts chapter 14, Luke is recording Paul and Barnabas' ministry, and he explains, and when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So this idea of commending others to the Lord was not new for Paul in Acts chapter 20. It was something that he had seen, something that he had learned. It means to set someone before something. It's saying, this is yours, and I trust you with it. I'm entrusting you with this. Paul says to the Ephesian elders and believers, and I believe he says to you and I, I want so badly for you to grow spiritually healthy. With that in mind, I am setting you before the Lord. I'm entrusting you to him. Paul knows that the time of his direct ministry to the Ephesian elders has come to a close. You read the rest of Acts chapter 20 and you realize Paul probably wasn't going to see them again. Some of you know what that's like to have a loved one whom you're sending out into the next season of their life and, and, and you may not see them again. That's what Paul's going through. He's like a relay runner who has carried the baton thus far and knows that he cannot make the next lap. He must entrust the baton to another. And so he says, I commend you to God. Paul is recognizing that God is the hero of every step of their spiritual journey. He always has been. And he always will be. So Paul's not saying, I commend you to God as though, hey, I've done all the work thus far. Now it's God's turn. Right? He knew God was always the hero beginning to end. Paul desperately wanted the Ephesian believers to know that all spiritual growth comes from God and to live in light of it. In fact, look at just a, a couple of examples from the book of Ephesians. Paul's letter to this church. Paul wanted them to know that God is the hero of spiritual growth. So he says, God chose you before the foundation of the world. Chapter 1 verse 4. God predestined you for adoption through Jesus Christ. Chapter 1 verse 5. God redeemed you through Christ's blood. 1-7. God made you alive together with Christ. Ephesians 2-5. God raised you up with Christ and seated you with Christ. 2-6. God gave you faith. Ephesians 2-8. God strengthens your inner spirit and gives you Spiritual wisdom, Ephesians 3:16. God gives you other believers for your growth, Ephesians 4:12. and God gives you to other believers for their spiritual growth. Ephesians 4:12. God clothes and empowers you for, uh, empowers you for spiritual battle, and God protects you to the end, Ephesians chapter 6. All spiritual growth comes from God. We look at that list. And in your Christian life, you might be tempted to say, but what about this season? But what about that season? And Paul says, nope, all of them. All spiritual growth comes from God. So when Paul is commending them to the Lord, he's not just rolling the dice and wondering how things are going to turn out. He's confident. He's hopeful. God will accomplish his purposes. Friends, if you're a Christian, then in 2020, you want to grow spiritually, right? You you, you just desire it. No matter how 2019 went, you want to see the fervency of your prayer life increase. You want to grow in your knowledge of the word. You want to put off the sin which has so easily entangled. You want to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, as Kenny challenged us with last week. You want these things. And the first step in moving towards them is to recognize that they all come from God all of them. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't do anything, right? We just sit back in our spiritual lazy boy chair and let God do all the work. Paul would totally disagree with such a conclusion, but it changes how we do what we do. Look at what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. John Murray comments on these verses. No text sets forth more succinctly and clearly the relation of God's working to our working. God's working in us is not suspended because we work, nor our working suspended because God works. Neither is the relation strictly one of cooperation, as if God did his part and we did ours, so that the conjunction or the coordination of both produced the desired or required result. God works in us, and we also work. But the relation is that because God works, we work. Murray says, the more persistently active we are in working the more persuaded we may be that all the energizing grace and power is of God. Do you want to experience the power of God working in you in 2020? Do you want to experience the pleasure of your Heavenly Father who is inclined towards your well-being in 2020? Then entrust yourself to God in obedience. Friends, looking forward to 2020, looking at your growth as a Christian, do you understand yourself as entrusted to God? Do you understand yourself as totally dependent on God? Do you find yourself desperate for God to move? Well, how does God grow a Christian? How does God grow you? That brings us to our second point. God brings about growth through his word. God brings about growth through his word. And now, Paul says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. One commentator said that you can almost uh, translate these words, and Paul's intention here is to say, I'm entrusting you to God who works through the word of his grace, who is active in the word of his grace. God is at work when his word is at work. God is at work when his word is at work. We've said it before. If you want to hear from God, read your Bible, right? If you want to hear God audibly, read your Bible out loud. And you can say, I heard from God audibly. Because every time you open up this book, you hear from God. It's not a maybe. It's not a might. It's an always God is active. He is at work when his word is at work. Friends, what if God had great things in store for you in 2020? We just sang about he's the God who does great things. What if he he had great things intended for you in 2020, and the means by which he planned on carrying them out was through his word? I wonder how many great things we have forfeited for lack of opening our Bible. Paul doesn't leave them with some sort of vague notion about how God might work. He clarifies for them. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace and to the word of his grace. He specifies this is how God does his work. He works through his word. I don't know how to tell you this more clearly. God works through his word. Always, he works through his word. So if you want to see him work in your life, get his word into your life. If you want to see more of God in 2020, get more of his word. Hear God's Word. Commit to showing up weekly to sit under the teaching of God's Word. Pray before you hear it. Pray after you hear it. Pray while you hear it. Read God's Word. Decide how you're going to read it. Some of you might do uh, the Read the Bible Through a Year program. It's a great program. There are multiple uh, ways to go about doing that. I've told you before, I am a fan of the Read the Book 20 Times method. I'll pick a book of the Bible. Right now it's 1 Samuel. And I'll read it 20 times. I'll put a post-it note on it, and I'll, I'll read the whole book 20 times, not in one sitting, right? And every time I read it, I make a little check mark. I'm on number three right now, 1 Samuel. And by the 20th time, I'm starting to get it, I'm starting to, to pick up on it. I'm starting, starting to, to soak in. But commit yourself this year to reading God's word, study God's word, memorize God's word, meditate on God's word, apply God's word, and do all of this with a friend. Do it together. Do it in community If 2019 was not a good year for you in God's word, then find a friend and say, hey, I don't want 2020 to be like 2019. Will you help me? Can I help you? Let's hold each other accountable to this. Let's do it together. Paul explains, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul looked at them and he said, there is a level of Christian maturity that cannot be reached apart from God's word. It's it's like the view at the the top of the mountain, the peak of the mountain. You only know how beautiful that view is if you do the work of summiting the mountain. Now, sure, somebody else can go up there and take a uh, a picture and you can look at it, but you and I both know that's not the same as being on the top of that mountain and feeling the air, feeling the wind, right? When it comes to God's word, climb the mountain, see the view. On Christmas Eve, uh, for the past two years, we've closed our service by singing a song, All Glory Be to Christ. And we sing these words, Should nothing of our efforts stand, no legacy survive, unless the Lord does build the house, in vain its builders strive. So here's the question we're asking. Are you trying to build the house of Christian maturity apart from God's word? Are you trying to become a mature Christian with a closed Bible? There's no such thing, right? Are you trying to become a mature Christian not by God's way of growing healthy Christians, but your own way of becoming a healthy Christian? Friends, when you don't pursue spiritual growth according to God's word, one of two things will happen. When you don't pursue spiritual growth by God's word, one of two things will happen. You'll either give up altogether on the idea of spiritual growth, And you'll say, man, that must be for those really healthy Christians. That must be for so-and-so. And And we can all think of somebody who was a really good Christian, and we were like, man, I'll never be like him. I'll never be like her. I'll never pray like they do. I'll never know the word. And and we'll give give up on the idea of growth, and we'll say, I guess I'm just a broken Christian. If you don't pursue spiritual health, spiritual growth by God's word, one of two things will happen, you'll either give up on spiritual growth, the idea altogether, or You will come up with a fake substitute that looks like spiritual health, it looks like spiritual vitality, it looks like spiritual life, but in the end, it's empty. You'll come up with some way of making it look like you're really spiritually healthy, but there's no active word at work in you. Paul says there is a Christian maturity that cannot be reached apart from God's word being at work. This word is able to build you up. Nothing else is able to build you up this way. And he says there's an inheritance among all those who are sanctified, and it's yours for the taking if you pursue it by God's work at work in you, God's word at work in you. Some of you have had the experience of being in the role of an executor of a will, or someone, a loved one, passed away, and they left a, a last will and testimony, and you as the executor, it was your job to make sure that those wishes were carried out. Right? And without the will and testament, there's nothing you could do. Right? You, you, you had no power apart from that word. In the same way, the means by which we inherit all that God has in store for us is the word at work in us. The word is the means by which we receive this inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Don't miss this. This is how God grows a healthy Christian, by his word. But here's the kicker. Do you really want that growth? Or would you rather have a substitute growth that you can produce yourself? It's probably going to happen much faster than the growth that God is going to bring about. It's probably going to be much more impressive, at least in the short term, to the people around you, at least in the immediate future. But God brings healthy growth through his word. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. So on New Year's Day, I, I got up that morning, a little bit later than most mornings, admittedly, right? And I opened up my Bible to 1 Samuel, and I read 1 Samuel 12. And, and, and it is Samuel's farewell address, just like Paul's farewell address in Acts chapter 20. And I stopped, and I underlined some passages, and I took a picture uh, of my Bible, and I texted it to the elders, and I said, guys, this is my prayer for us. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7, now therefore stand still that I may plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and for your fathers. Again, I took that picture, sent it over to the elders. That's my goal in preaching each week. It's to get you to be still for just a minute so that I can plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous deeds of the Lord that he performed for you and for those who went before you, not merely from my own musings, not merely from my own thoughts, but from God's very word. I appreciate the way that Matt uh, Smethurst explains it. He says, I don't remember 99% of the meals I've eaten, but they've kept me alive. God uses faithful, forgettable sermons to beautify his bride. This is how God grows the church. Not through sparks and, and, and impressive means, but through the regular, often forgotten, knowing and studying and submission to his word. God brings about growth through his word. The question for you and I is, do we really want that growth? Friends, Jim Elliott's words should still pierce us. Our condemnation will be written in the dust on our Bible covers. God grows Christians through his word. That's why As a church, we signed up for Right Now Media, which is an app uh, that you can learn more about in the announcement sheets that are around you. Um, It is a Bible study app of thousands of Bible studies that we've made accessible to you at no cost to you because we want to see the word at work in us. Oh, that we would be a people of the book in 2020. Oh, that we would see God work this growth in us through his word. You see, when it comes to spiritual growth, our options are not acceleration or idle as though we were a sports car. And we can choose, man, do I want to hit the gas and, and, and be flying down the highway or do I just want to idle? Our options are life or death. We fool ourselves to think that our faith has been hibernating when in reality, it's been decaying. And so in John chapter 6, Peter says to Jesus, where else would we go? You, O God, have the words of life. These words that we can have life in Christ are what we hear and what we proclaim in the Lord's Supper. Friends, in just a moment, we're gonna celebrate this meal in which we remember and in which we proclaim that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and was raised in accordance with the scriptures. This is one of the meals that God uses to bring us to spiritual health. So if you're here this morning and you are a believer, I want you to know that the table is open. I'm going to ask you to come down front and receive the elements and then take them back to your seats. And then once we are all seated, we will feast together. Friends, let's pray.